All right, so we are going through the book of Philippians. We're near the end of Philippians. I'm kind of sad to let go of it. Uh, so we're in chapter 4 of Philippians. Chapter 4 of Philippians. While you turn there, and I'll give you the text for this morning. Um, how often have you, have you heard me say either this is my favorite text or this text is very crucial for us to understand? Man, is this text crucial for us to understand today? This is, this is, this is the text of texts for us to understand. If you recall in, in this letter, Paul has told the believers many things that they may continue to run the race towards the celestial city. Things to do, things not to do, to work things out between women and all these things to, to, to run the race together. And in this section from, from chapter 4 verse 1 to 9, there's a series of commands that Paul gives. He has already, already given a couple of commands when he said, stay firm in the Lord. Uh, that's a command. You remember we spoke about that. Stay firm in the Lord. And then he said to live in harmony in the Lord. Uh, rejoice in the Lord. And then last time we looked at be anxious for nothing. Uh, these are all commands. And we'll see today that the commands, these commands that Paul gives, we're not meant to pick and choose the commands that God has given us. They're like a string of pearl hung together, and we're meant to keep these commands so that we can actually live this life that is joyful, uh, it is productive, and it is full for Jesus Christ, because that's what we have been looking through here in Philippians. And this verse that we're going to look at this morning, it was two verses I was going to do, but unfortunately, well, Maybe for, I, I didn't think I can get past this one verse. Just one verse for today. And I believe everything that Paul has said all this time will, will be captured on how to do life in this one verse alone. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Philippians. And let me read you this one verse. Chapter 4, verse 8. I'll read verse 9 as well, because there are two commands here. They kind of do go together, but I am going to separate them in two sermons. The Apostle Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell, think on these things. This is an imperative. Again, it's a command. And we will see next time in verse 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of and the, and the God of peace will be with you. That's another, another imperative. Now, last time we looked at the peace of God. We looked how, we, you know, if we're anxious, don't be anxious. Bring it to the Lord in prayer with, with thanksgiving and with supplication. And God's peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the thing, though. When God does do that, does that mean that our hearts now and what God is doing with us, that they go idle? They just sit there and God does all the work and, and I don't do anything. No, brothers and sisters. When God does work in us and guides us to Jesus Christ, it produces in us different thinking. 
Different ways of looking at life. We are responsible to now the peace that God has given us to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How crucial is this for us to hear this today in a society that is driven by emotions and feelings and my opinions. People rather believe a lie than believe truth. A society that never speaks about holiness, godliness, purity, loveliness. Many will rather accept lies rather than speak the truth of God. We need to be aware of this, brothers and sisters. You've heard the saying, you are what you eat. You've ever heard that saying, you are what you eat. There's some truth in that. You know, I guess if you, if you eat burgers, you can start looking like a burger. If you eat potatoes, you start looking like a potato. I want to go a little bit further than that in the biblical way for us to understand. We are what we think. We are what we think. What we think, what goes into our mind is reflected externally. Proverbs says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Proverbs 23.7. As much as eating lots of fatty foods can make us look unhealthy on the outside, it is the same way that if we eat in our mind, what I mean by eat in our mind, fill our minds with unhealthy stuff, it will be exposed in our lives. And the same is true if we fill our minds with good, healthy truth, then guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be a good and healthy soldier for Jesus Christ. If there's anything that we ought to fight for, if there's anything that we should actually really stand firm for, it is the truth. Uh, we need to flush away whatever mud, whatever dirt, and whatever things that are blocking our biblical thinking. This is war, brothers and sisters. And many have said about this passage, this is the battle of the mind. The battle of the mind. Everything begins there, does it not? Everything begins in your mind. Your external only falls, follows what is internal. You only do what you do because inside of you something is going on. The Apostle Paul has already mentioned a couple of times, and just to give you a few verses, he says, Make my joy complete of being what? Of the same mind. Be of the same mind. And then he's speaking of Jesus, as, he said, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this mind. So as we come here to the end of this section, well, next, next time we will look at verse 9, where we call the run together for the gospel. Paul reminds us that God really cares about what we think about. God cares about that. He, he wants us to think rightly. So we have two points that we're going to look at. One, the call for biblical thinking. And two, the right things for biblical thinking. So look with me again. Finally, brethren. Here it is. Now, as I'll come to the end of the epistle, as I come to the end of the road, after everything I've said, brethren, I want you to think about this, your mind. I want you to think about this, your mind. We're going to skip the things in the middle. We're going to talk about the mind for now. 
And he says, brethren. And you know when it says brethren, who was he addressing? All believers. All believers, young and small and old in the faith and young in the faith. And why is this crucial? I'll tell you why it's crucial. Because it doesn't matter how much you have, how long you've been in the faith, how strong you think you are in the faith, how holy you may think you are in the faith, your mind has the, the, the bent that can still have that bent towards ungodliness, towards unholiness, to, to think wrong. And so Paul says, brethren, to all people, it doesn't matter what age you are, you need to dwell on these things which is about to tell us. We've heard of so many horror, horror stories, even to these very days, because people are not filling their minds with the things of God. Good teachers, good preachers are moving away from the truth of God because their minds are not filled rightly with the things of God. It all begins here. David didn't fall into sin until his mind was drawn there. The action came afterwards with Bathsheba and Uriah that he killed her husband. No one is exempted from this. We all can move away from certain truths of Scripture. And so he says here, look at the verse 8. Look at verse 8, right at the end of it. Paul begins, because this verb here, it captures everything Paul is saying. Dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. And this verb in the Greek, because it's in the, I won't bore you with all the details of it, it's basically a command that is to every believer to continuously do all the time. And what's it saying? It's saying that your mind as a Christian should not take a holiday. In Ephesians 4.3, the apostle also wrote, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, we need to think like this every day, every hour, every moment, in every place, in every situation for as long as we live. We need to think biblically. We need to think biblically when we're together. We need to think biblically when we're at work. We need to think biblically when we're at home with our spouses, when we're alone, when with our kids, when we're on holidays. Brethren, this is a command that we must evaluate what we allow to go on into these lenses, into these ears that will affect our minds and our speech will come differently, our action, our behavior, our godliness, our affections, our directions and our wills begins in the mind. We need to think very carefully what affects our minds, how easy it is for our minds to be led astray by philosophy and man's opinions. This is a, a call for radical thinking. Beware of the movies you watch. Beware of the music you listen to. Beware of the scrolling you do on your phone. Beware of the YouTube you surf. Just because what? You want to be entertained and everyone else is doing it? Be aware at work with the jokes that you joke with 
if they have no place in your life as a Christian, the conversation that you're engaging. I want to talk to your parents just for a minute. To have kids. TV, music, all this stuff is affecting our generation. Our next generation, I should say. Not our but our next generation. We are meant to train our children to have their mind and be brainwashed with the things of God, not the things of the world. We're meant to train our children to know Christ, to love Him, to, to repent, to believe in the gospel. Do you know what your children are watching? Do you know what they're listening to? Have you given them the freedom to have their phone in their bedroom and wherever they feel like it? And the PCs, and they do what, you, what they want, and you have absolutely no idea what they're watching. This is serious stuff. If you don't give your children godly things, listen to me, the world and Satan is not going to say, poor kid, they're going to go after their mind. And they'll hear it long enough, they'll believe it to be true, and the first thing they'll turn away from is God and the truth of Scripture. We need to take seriously and train our kids when, when they raise up, when they lay down. Deuteronomy 6, read it for yourselves. All the time, every day, talk to them about the things of God. Not the things of the world. Don't be lazy and stick them in front of a TV and let the TV be your child carer. No. You have been given a blessing from God. Children are a blessing from above. Then train them properly in the ways of the Lord, even if you've got to sweat, even if it, if it hurts you, even if you're dead tired. We need to take seriously of our minds and our children's minds because God takes it seriously. We are told in Scripture, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and leave your mind out of it? Does it say just don't worry about your mind? Put it on idol. Go and watch movies. Don't worry about it. Just shut off. No. It says with all of your mind. All your mind. Maybe some of us don't do this with our kids because we're doing the same thing. Maybe we're okay to do all these things. Well, now you shouldn't be okay because you've heard it. God cares about your mind. Brothers, I know this might sound harsh, but it's not. It's a loving, beautiful thing from God that we will be totally brainwashed with the Word of God and the Word of God alone. Think of the temptations and all the things that were happening here at Philippi. The greed and the power and, and the sexual immorality that was going on and the false teachers and all the false brethren and all this stuff that you would think that Paul was transported in our time and was speaking to us right now. Look around you. This is exactly what's happening to our time. We are called for radical thinking, brothers and sisters. Whether it's music, whether it's movies, whether it's friends, whether it's a brother who calls himself a brother and it does not give you good counsel and is unholy and ungodly, whether it's a job, we are called to be Christians with a mind of Christ. 
Change the artist. Change the music. Stop looking at YouTube. Change your job. Change your friends. Think biblically. This is what God is calling us to do, to think biblically. Now the Apostle Paul then breaks it down for us and he gives us some virtues to look at. So we come to the second point. The right things for biblical thinking. Look at the verse again with me. So that's the thinking. That's the, that's the call for biblical thinking. Now look at this. Finally, brethren, whatever is true. I mean, I could sit here for hours as to why we need to know and fill our mind to whatever is true. Whatever is true. According to this, that means stay away from everything that is what? Untrue, false, lies, gossip, falsehood. Don't let what is contrary to truth resonate, resonate in your mind. Clean it out. Get rid of it. Don't entertain it. Don't welcome it. Those who fill their minds with truths couldn't be closer to Jesus Christ, amen, because he said what? I am the way and I am the truth and I'm the life and no one comes to the Father but by me. He is the truth and those who fill their minds with worldly philosophy and lies and, and all the opposite of truth couldn't be closer to whom? The devil. He's the father of lies and he was a liar from the very beginning, brothers and sisters. What is wrong with us if we don't grab the Bible and eat it? Eat it every day in the Word of God. Whatever is true, whatever is honest. Jesus in his priestly prayer, what did he pray? Sanctify them in what? In your Word, your Word is truth. Your Word is truth. If there's false teaching, false people who are drawing you away from the truth, get rid of them. Anything that will lead you away from Christ in your mind, don't compromise the truth because of people's opinion. How much do we need to hear this today? The truth that we are given, the truth we are given from God surpasses reality. It surpasses man's ideology. It surpasses man's opinions, man's philosophies. Man, man, culture, it surpasses the intellect, it surpasses time. The truth we have is written. It's historical, it's factual, it's relational, it's personal, it's fixed, it's eternal, and it's God-breathed. How crucial it is for our mind to be filled with truths. Many are still falling because they refuse to speak the truth. Many mighty men before us because they are not being saturated with the truth and they are compromising, saying that it's okay for a man and a man to be married. Rubbish! That's not from God. You're brainwashed by the world. Brothers and sisters, from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the Reformation, why were people cut in two, killed, stoned, left to die, imprisoned. And why was Jesus crucified? For truth. 
Jesus was crucified because he, he, he said to them, your evil deeds, they're exposing you. And they crucified him. And they wanted a thief to come off the cross, not the true God of creation. We need to be in the truth. As through our society that in Australia alone is moving so far away from truth, how much more do we need the truth? Tolerating all sorts of unbiblical things. Why? Because they are not thinking biblically, but they are thinking worldly and carnal. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. We can easily say that for the world outside, but you know the Apostle Paul didn't have them in mind. The Apostle Paul had the local church in mind. Christians. We who are called little Christ, following Jesus Christ, need to know the truth and fill our minds with the truth, not with man's opinions, no matter how nice they sound and come across, no matter how much they smile at you with a devil's smile, no matter if they shake your hand and call you brother, be a Berean and make sure that you understand the truth. It's in Acts 17.11 if you want to understand that. You need to seek truth and you need to saturate your mind with this. Dwell on that. Dwell on that. And remember, a God who cannot lie by default, he hates lies. So let's fill our minds with truth. Then Paul continues, whatever is what? Honourable. Whatever is honourable. Whatever is worthy of reverence and good character, whatever is noble. Brethren, you know what this is saying? Don't fill your mind with unruly, disrespectful things that not only disrespect people, but disrespect the very God who told us to do this. Don't fill your mind with unworthy, useless, defiled things. You know what they are. I, don't, I can't read your mind. But don't fill yourself with these things. But instead, Paul is saying here, think of things above. Things that are respectable. Things that are of good character, high and lifted up, where God himself will be pleased. In Colossians 3, 1 to 2, we read this. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, if you're a Christian, if God has given you life, if you're born again, Keep seeking what? The things above, right? And then where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and what? Set your minds on the things above, not on the things of this earth. We're meant to set our minds on the things above. They are noble and worthy of reverence. We can get sidetracked with things of this world. We are called to think of heavenly things, things worthy of praise, worthy of loving. We are to set our minds on things that are above. And when you set your minds to things that are above, guess what will happen to you? God will lift you up to the highest of heights as if you will see Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. It will give you a deeper affection, a deeper love, a deeper desire to wait for the king to come. When you set your minds on the things above, if you set your minds on the things of this earth, then the opposite is true. 
Now you might as well say, this is my kingdom. This is where I live. This is where I belong. Enjoy it because your minds are set there. This will stop your growth. Brothers and sisters, our minds, it, it, it is meant to be filled with these very things that Paul is saying, by the way, these are not exhaustive. This is just a list of things. Paul continues, he says, whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, and he goes, whatever is right, whatever is holy, whatever, whatever is of, of holiness and perfection, because this speaks of God's righteousness, whatever is holy in God, speak, speaks of whatever is fitting in God's perfect righteousness. He's the lasting Father, and he gives us a perfect standard of righteousness in the Scriptures, that we may just ponder on these things. We need to get rid of from our minds the, the errors of wrong thinking, things that are the opposite of right, which is wrong, unholy. My beloved, you see how much we are called to think this way. I fill our minds with errors. How can they glorify God? How? How does God get glorified if our minds are completely polluted? By unholy things. Think about it even this morning. What was your mind like? Were you preparing your mind to come worship? Was your mind prepared to seek God? To do right? Were you seeking the righteousness of God? How often do you come in? You haven't thought about your mind. You just come in during the week. You don't think about God at all. And then there is a switch on Sunday and you become right and righteous. It doesn't work that way. We ought to fill our mind continuously with righteousness of God. Paul continues and he says, whatever is pure, whatever is pure, and his word pure speaks of something that is unmixed with moral impurities. Uncontaminated. It means it's sacred. Paul is calling the church to think sacred things, not unholy things. To think clean things, not unclean things. Let your minds be on pure things. Not just on the Lord's day and then Monday to Saturday, you have no problem wandering off everywhere else. And then come Sunday morning and for those couple hours that you're here, you go all holy and your mind, how can your mind be prepared? That's not what this is saying. This is not saying just have your mind pure on Sunday. It says have your mind pure all the time. Or else, you know what happens to us? We're nothing but hypocrites and Jesus calls us whitewashed tombs where we're externally looking good, we look holy, and we say, good morning, brother, good morning, sister. And then on Monday, we're like living like wicked unbelievers. There's no, there's no purity there. Brothers and sisters, this is a massive call for us. Massive. 
Fill your minds with things that are without sin, without blemish. Things that are pleasing to God. Being pure is not an opinion. It's not a suggestion. It's not legalism, but it's true Christianity. True Christianity calls us to be pure because why? Jesus is pure. We read in Habakkuk, your eyes are too pure to approve evil. Peter says you shall be holy for what? Well, I'm holy, so be pure, be holy. And Jesus says, blessed are the what? The pure heart. Blessed are the pure. So there is a blessing. There is a blessing from God to be pure and to continue to be pure. Then the Apostle Paul continues and says, whatever is lovely, whatever is lovely, attractive, beautiful, but beautiful in holiness. This is not so much talking about the external loveliness, although look at the loveliness external if you like. I don't have any. Oh, you guys agree that I have some. Okay, you ain't quiet. It's not talking so much about that because we will be in trouble. Because when Isaiah spoke of Jesus in Isaiah 53, it says about Jesus, he had no sta stately form of majesty or majesty that we should, um, should uphold him. No appearance and nothing that was attractive of Jesus. But we say that Jesus was not lovely. Will we say that Jesus Christ was ugly? No, this is talking about his personhood. And this word here, by the way, lovely, it is pointing towards God. What is lovely to God? And what is lovely to God and what is pleasing to God is his son, Jesus Christ. And we are meant to think on lovely things, which is Christ Jesus himself. Look around you, look up, look down, but look to Christ just to give you some stuff. How do we meditate on this? What does that mean for us? Jesus is lovely in his grace, is he not? He's lovely in his grace. He's beautiful and attractive in his grace, is he not? When you sin and your minds wander off, you come back where? Brothers and sisters, come back to the cross. He's lovely in his mercy. He showers us with mercy every day they are renewed. He is lovely in his love, is he not? He loves you how much? He said it is finished. That's how much he loves you. He's lovely in his glory. He's glorious. He's more, more beautiful than anything. He's lovely in his sovereignty because everything that happens to you is in his control. He's lovely in his patience. Oh, Praise the Lord for his patience. For me, maybe not for you because you're okay, but for me, he's lovely in his patience. He's lovely in his intercession for us. He's lovely in his truth. He's lovely in his death, his resurrection, his, his ascension. And he's lovely and I'm waiting for him to return because he's altogether lovely. That's what I'm meant to be drawn by. If the psalmist says of a king in Psalm 45, you are fairer, that means beautiful, than the sons of men, then what can we say about Jesus? How much Jesus is beautiful. Praise him. Praise the Lord for he is good and he is beautiful. And the apostle Paul says, hey, 
This is where you dwell on. This is, you want to run the race. You want to be joy. This is it. Fill your mind with this. And the things of this earth will slowly fade away. And Paul continues, and he says, whatever is of good repute, whatever is commandable, whatever is worthy of praise and respectable, whatever is of good reputation, whatever words are spoken well of, fill your minds with these things. In fact, this is whatever the Lord himself would see as respectful. Dwell on these things. Don't fill your minds with things that are offensive to man and are offensive to God. Fill your minds with things that God himself says, hey, that's my daughter. When Satan accuses you, he says, that's my daughter. That's my son. And I'm well pleased in them. Because they fill in their minds with things that are of good repute, the things that are pleasing to me in my sight. Brothers and sisters, we're on a stage and we only have an audience of one that we must please. It's God. In case you didn't know that, we have God to please and Him alone. Then the Apostle Paul will bring this to a conclusion. As the Apostle Paul does, he says, if there is any excellence, if if Anything worthy of praise. Dwell on his things. If there's anything of excellence, dwell on these things. Anything of goodness and good mental virtue, good character, good conduct, reflect on these things. Meditate on these things. And what Paul is doing here now, he's putting us here. Now, what are you going to do about it? He's leaving the responsibility. He's saying whatever is actually approved of God, whatever God applauses, meaning that God himself can say, hey, he's thinking of worthy and praise, praising things. We are meant to dwell on these things. That God in heaven looks down and he's pleased and he's joyful. And he's happy in you. Don't you want God? Have you ever thought of that? God doesn't need you to be joyful, but he wants you to be joyful in him. And how is God joyful? How we bring joy to God? Fill your mind with these things, things that are worthy of acceptance before our holy God with all his holy angels and says, man, this guy, he is filling his mind with things that I told him to think about. You ever heard of the saying, you know, the power of positive thinking? You want to know the power of positive thinking? It's not you think good of yourself or you think good and somehow you feel good about yourself. No, the power of God, uh, uh, positive thinking comes to filling your mind with the godly things. That's positive. Everything else is negative and rubbish. The power of positive thinking comes from the Word of God, from, from understanding, filling my mind with godliness and, and holiness and purity, things that are worthy of praise, worthy of glory, and lifting up Christ Jesus. So here's a little 
encouraging, challenging thing for you? What are you feeding your mind with? What are you feeding your mind with? Because if it's not the Word of God, it has to be other things. If it's not Jesus, it has to be other things. Your mind is not idle. It doesn't stop. Believe it or not, trust me, I know. It continues even when I'm in bed. Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12.2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that you which is good and acceptable and perfect. Think about what your pattern of thoughts are like in your life. What is consuming your mind? For Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What's consuming your mind? What is it influencing you? How often are you in the Word of God? How often? How often do you actually study this wonderful book called the Bible? How often do you sit down? A brother said this morning that just one word sometimes gives him such strength and, and peace and grace. Imagine reading two words. Imagine reading a whole chapter. Imagine just meditating on that chapter or that verse or that word. You'll be in cloud nine. You'll be raptured into the heavens. Colossians said, the Apostle Paul said in Colossians, and Brother Wes has taken us through this. I just want to read it to you. Chapter 3, verse 16. Here's what we are told to do this morning. This is an application for us, brothers and sisters. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, in your mind, with all wisdom and teaching and admonition, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. We need to read the Bible. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be theologians. You need to be a theologian. We're not saying that you're going to teach theology like Wes. No, but you need to study the Word of God to know the God of the Word. We read here in Psalm 19 from verse 7. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring my soul. This is the Word of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the perfect the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the hearts. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord is true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey dripping from a honeycomb. This is where we need to be. This is how you fill your mind with the things that God has said. Spurgeon said, the Bible 
sanctifies and molds the mind into the image of Christ. Brethren, our mind is the epicenter of our Christian duty. Our mind is the epicenter of our Christian duty. Let us take care so that we may live a victorious Christian life. Amen? But I want to touch now on you, my unbelieving friend, those of you who come in week in, week out, you hear a guy yapping for 45 minutes to an hour, and you hear these words all the time. How can I simplify this for you about your mind? Jesus said, repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that word in its literal sense, repent, in the Greek literally means to have a change of mind. To have a change of mind. The only one thing that you need to have this morning is not to be filled with the things of God that somehow will make you feel better, but you need to have a mind that is changed. Change your mind about Jesus, who he is. Beg him. Understand and believe that he died and he rose from the grave and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life and he will change your heart and your mind and you will be a new creature. Trust him and him alone. Acknowledge your sin of rebellion. Confess your sin of rebellion. Turn to Christ who is the free giver of this salvation, and he offers it to you today, and then, then you will have a proper mind to worship. Father, we come before you, Lord. Your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, Father, how far do we fall from time to time, Lord, and wander off into ideologies and, and man's opinions and, and things of this world and fill our minds with ungodly things, unpure things, unlovely things. Oh, Lord, may, may we repent of our selfishness, that we will turn to the truth, eat the truth, come and taste and see the Lord is good, that we will be, Lord God, the people of God that you've called us to be. May we heed well on this command to dwell on these things. And those who do not know you yet, Father, oh, Lord, we pray that there will be no rest in their minds until they find rest in Christ Jesus and him. So we thank you, Father, for this day. We pray, Lord, that your word and your word alone that was preached, not Ralph's words, not my opinion, not my philosophy, but your word alone will not return to you void, but touch the heart of your people and those who are not yours will repent and be your people. Amen.